G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. You make me Today. Today. Today with Jeff Fines. Hello, my name is Bill, and thanks for joining me for another message from Pastor Jeff Vines. We hope this series, At the Movies, has really engaged you and had an impact on your walk with Jesus. The series shows the correlation between good fantasy stories and the gospel. Last episode, Pastor Jeff started looking at a movie called Soul, a beautiful and surprising offering from Disney Pixar. He's also reading from Psalm 139. We really encourage you to go back and listen to the other messages in this series. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts to find them. For now, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of this message about the movie Soul. Come on now, keep traveling down this road with me. One of the characters in the movie Soul, my favorite character, is the barbershop owner named Dez. He's bigger than life. And he dreamed of being a veterinarian, not a barber, but he's a barber. And yet Dez enjoys being a barber. He loves the small act of helping others, of meeting interesting characters, of providing a listening ear to anybody seated in the barber's chair. And I... I think to myself as I watch this, what point is Soul, the movie, trying to make? And it's very clear. Joe's life is not the one he dreamed about, and yet it's so good. There's so much beauty and awe and wonder, which leads me to believe that your life, guys, does not have to be your best life now to be beautiful and a life worth living. Can I tell Listen, listen to the old guy. Life is what happens to you while you're trying to live. And the idea that you can't be happy and joyful here until you get there is the real problem in your life. It's why you're miserable and anxious and depressed and frustrated. And you're going to miss it, man. you got to get hold of this now. You better learn to stay in the moment while you're looking for the next one. If you don't, you're going to leave awake and you're going to end up hurting the people that you love the most. Do you hear that? Because you'll start even using them as a means to your end. And they'll know you're never fully present. Look, guys, the Bible has transformed my thinking since I was probably in my 20s. But there are other things that I've read over the course of my life that have catalyzed a dramatic transformation in the way I live. And usually I learn later on in life that 
They're just stating what the Bible's been stating for 2,000 years. I just never really heard it. And I'm in New Zealand, and I'm working 60, 70 hours a week to try to prove to the world that I can be successful. And I'm losing my wife, and I'm losing my children. I feel estranged from all of them. And then one day I read this from the Nerthen Meyer Clinic that I believe God brought across my path at the right time and the right place in a book called Happiness is a Choice. And I realized as I read this excerpt, he was talking about me. Here's how it goes. Out of all the various personality types in our culture, there is one type that is more likely than any other to get depressed at some time in life. That type is the nice guy, the person who is self-sacrificing, overly conscientious, overly dutiful and hardworking. While he's out in society, however, serving humanity at a work pace of 80 to 100 hours a week, he is selfishly ignoring his wife and children. In his own eyes and in the eyes of society, he is the epitome of human dedication while his wife suffers from loneliness and his sons eventually commit suicide. He becomes angry when his wife and children place demands on him. He can't understand how they could have the nerve to call such an unselfish, dedicated servant a selfish husband and father. But in reality, his wife and children are correct and they are suffering severely because of this subtle selfishness. This is precisely the reason why so many of the children of pastors, missionaries, and doctors turn out to be rebellious. What are the two most respected psychologists on planet Earth saying? They're saying that when pastors get their self-worth from helping others, they end up destroying the very ones they're supposed to be helping the most because a passion has become a god. The intriguing scene in soul, we find there's a place, according to the movie, where lost souls wonder. Those who've turned their passion into idols, those who somehow believe that these pursuits or passions are the ultimate source of satisfaction and security and meaning. Those unattainable goals, if I can just get there, my life will have meaning. It will be successful. And people who wander in this area of lost souls believe that only when I am mastering this one thing can I be truly happy, truly living, truly expressing the ultimate purpose for my life, and all these other activities that I participate in are merely a means to an end. So even during times of refreshing for these type people, even those times are enjoyed for the purpose not of reconnecting with my wife or enjoying my family or just enjoying God's creation and nature. No, but instead, even those experiences are to prepare me for my next big surge toward what I'm really after. And in that realm, there's a guide by the name of Moonwind, funny looking dude. And he describes these people as disconnected souls. And he shows us a man with a metal detector, desperately trying to search, a, uh, find a treasure that is eluding him. He can't find it. He's desperate for it. And the look on his face, he's kind of in a spiritual daze. He's all glossy eyed. He's disconnected from reality. And worse yet, he is systematically dismantling everything that is truly precious in his life. Guys, that's us. The great message of the movie, the thing that soul teaches that is so consistent with the scripture is that your passion and your purpose are not the same. You may thoroughly enjoy activities in this life. That's okay. Again, notice I'm not saying this, guys. Don't have any fun in life. Stop playing golf. Stop hanging with your friends. No more bike riding. No more hikes. Come on. Let's all just go up in the top of some mountain somewhere in a monastery and be spiritual. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying go hard. Work hard. Set your goals and objectives. 
God wired you to be an adventurer, to go hard after life. But make sure these passions of yours, if you confuse passion and purpose, you're going to end up asking your passion to give you something it was never designed to deliver. And you're going to live with depression and anxiety and frustration. Unfortunately, the movie defines passion or spark quite well. But like most modern narratives, it avoids the one question, the ultimate question. And that is this. Okay, I know what my passions are. What's my purpose? What's the ultimate reason I was made? Why am I ultimately here? And the reason soul doesn't address that question is because it can't. It doesn't have the capacity because it never deals with origins. It tells us about the great before and the great beyond, but doesn't tell us who made them. That would be too risky. You would be canceled and shamed for sure. It makes no attempt to tell us what to expect in the great beyond. It can't because it doesn't know the master builder. Joe may have learned there's so much beauty, wonder, and awe in this world. And that life's greatest joys aren't the big things we dream about, but the little things that surround us every single day. Children, grandchildren, grandchildren, wife, husband, a day at the beach. You know, I looked at my wife the other day and I thought, have you noticed the change in me since we've had grandchildren? She goes, yeah. You know, I'm ADD. I can't sit still for more than 30 seconds. But do you know that I can just look and follow my little granddaughter around for like three hours? What happened to me? I can sit and hold my little grandson, Owen, for hours and play in peekaboo with him for hours. He probably doesn't like it, but I enjoy it. A day at the beach or in the mountains, on the golf course or hiking or a bike path. But Joe never learns the ultimate answer to life's ultimate question, what is my purpose? And surely, folks, the totality of our lives cannot be consumed with consuming the little pleasures of life. As nice and enjoyable as they might be. Now, thank God, and this is the end of the sermon, you've done well. Thank God, the Father who made our souls in the great before, to whom we'll return in the great beyond, did not leave us hanging in the great here and now. Guys, please listen, this is the end. Where do we come from? And the answer, of course, is God. Psalm 139, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained before me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The answer is you are from God and you are for God and God is for you. And he's constantly watching over you because he has a purpose for you, but you are somewhat like me, narcissistic and self-serving. So he has to keep digging these little ditches all throughout your life to try to get you to take a detour from where you're headed. And he's doing that, putting up roadblocks to block you. Sometimes he'll have to strip you of everything. He'll have to prove to you that you're never going to find what you're looking for. So he'll have to strip you of everything till you come to the end of yourself. And hopefully you'll see one of these little side roads and have the courage to take it because that's the path that leads to what you're looking for. And if he's truly a loving God, he's not going to just leave you alone, right? He's going to keep digging those ditches all your life. You came from God. You're for the purposes of God. And he's constantly watching over to you, watching over you to help you achieve that purpose. Now, okay, Pastor Jeff, what's my passion? Well, there are many passions. And can I say again, God is pleased with passion. A sport, music, recreation, relationships. Some of you are very simple people. The only passion you have is to make sure you get your coffee first thing in the morning. That's it. The rest of the day, it's fine. That Really, that's all you need. Hand over the coffee, nobody gets hurt. That's your t-shirt. <laughs> right? 
It's that simple. But only when your ultimate passion is the pursuit of God will you relate appropriately to your other passions. Do you understand that? Because you won't expect them to deliver something they're incapable of delivering. What is my passion? Can I say it again? I'm a guy. Guys, I'm, I'm a competitor. Even though this is my job and it's different from you, I want to be successful just like you. Come on now. I love athletics. I love going to the gym. I love running. I love biking. I love hiking. I love cowering in front of my wife when she tells me I've been a bad boy. <laughs> Doesn't mean it in a good way. <laughs> I hate losing. Now, I'm a good loser. Externally. <laughs> I'm a guy. <laughs> but for 45 years of my life, I can honestly tell you I did not truly enjoy my life. And it only changed when my daughter had some harsh words for me. And when I had three years of anxiety disorder where I couldn't even leave the front door. I've learned life's most valuable lesson, and that's why I'm enjoying my life these days more than I ever have. It has nothing to do with how little or how much money you make. Every time I used to walk out here, whether it was in Africa or New Zealand or Georgia or here, my whole sense of self-worth and significance was tied to how well I thought I had done in delivering a message. Do you know the kind of roller coaster ride I'm on? When it's good, I'm way up. When it's bad, I'm way down. And I don't enjoy the next seven days after it's bad because I'm thinking, how can I get back up on the top of the roller coaster? I'm never in a moment. I'm always waiting on the next one to prove that I have self-worth and significance. Are you hearing me, guys? You think just because I'm a preacher that somehow my passions are different than yours? I would have been the same way had I gone into basketball coaching, which was what I thought God was going to call me into. It didn't happen. Instead, I'm here. And I hear about all these people leaving California, and people are asking me, you leaving? No, I can't. I'm called here. Even if I'm the last man standing, I'll still be here. <laughs> and then one day you realize, in that moment when I can't leave my house and I have to sit on the sofa and commune with God for 30 minutes before I can get the nerve to leave and go to work, I found it the greatest passion of my life is to sit with God and to worship God and to read a good book and to contemplate and just to be with Him. And I started realizing that no other passions bring that kind of experience. I still play golf, still run, I still bike, and I still enjoy them. But you know what, guys? I enjoy them more than I ever have because I'm relating to them appropriately now. They are gifts of God, not God. I'm having more fun in my life now than I've ever had, and I'm working even harder. And I look around and I see you guys, you're tough. I see everything, I see you, everything. I see you on the back rows. <laughs> and your eyes, and this is not judgment call, and I only know this, I tell people, I only know this because this is what I'm like. I see your eyes, and it tells me that your mind, more often than not, is someplace else that you're not engaged in this moment. Some of you are here because you don't want to hear your wife ask you again, why aren't you going to church? You're here to appease her, or you're here to appease God. Maybe if I go to church, he'll help me in my golf game on Wednesday. 
I'm the same way. And you know what? You know why you're like that? Because God wired you to be an adventurer. That's right. He wired you to be an adventurer. Oh, thanks, Jeff. It's his fault then. <laughs> no, because the problem is you always think the great adventure is somewhere other than here. You think it's a meal you're going to have later on the day, a, a recreation later on this afternoon, a sport that you're going to watch. You think that's where the great adventure is. And I'm telling you, you're never going to be happy, content, and satisfied until you realize your greatest adventure is right here. <laughs> Leaning into this moment, fully present in this moment, so that as you worship, you experience God. And you don't know what that's like because it's been so long. So you think what I'm talking about is some pipe dream. And I'm telling you, God's going to keep digging those ditches and he's going to irritate the hound out of you because he loves you. And what you're looking for is right here. Not, not right here in this building. It's part of it as you lean into worship and the sacraments and communion. And as you're fully engaged, look, and you never conquer it completely. Because I find myself, when I'm on vacation and I'm going to church, I'm there like you are. <laughs> what time is my tea time? <laughs> this is us. You have to intentionally force yourself to be in the moment. It's the most valuable decision you'll ever make because it's then that God starts to change you. And you get to know Him. Listen to the old guy. 45 years of a miserable life. But the last 16 or 17 have been wonderful. It's the great adventure. The great adventure you're looking for is God. And if there's a great before and a great beyond, then there must be a great Father who ordained it all. And you'll not find what you're looking for until you find Him, not cerebrally, existentially. Feel Him. I know what you guys are like. You're like me. You're thinking, man, I don't go for all that emotional yee stuff. That's for my wife. Praise Jesus, praise Jesus. That's not me. Let me tell you why it's not you. You're not intimate with him yet. Because when you're intimate with him yet, you'll be saying, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. Let me tell you, it just happens. Okay, Pastor Jeff, what then is the purpose of my life? Here's the purpose of your life. This is the end. Please lean in. The purpose of your life is to glorify God. Okay, I know how to do that, Pastor Jeff. I read my Bible. I do the right things. I go to church. No! That's not how you glorify God. Those are byproducts, maybe, of somebody who is glorifying God. That's not how you glorify God. How do I then? God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. You think you glorify God by service. No, that's a byproduct. You glorify God by getting your greatest satisfaction out of Him. And that's the calling on your life. Jeremiah 23 or 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Be present, guys, in this moment. When you're here, be present in it. Block out the distractions. You know, I got to tell you, I still can't believe sometimes I'm preaching and I see people get up and go to the bathroom and say, dude, why didn't you go before the message? I mean, we've only been here, what, 35 minutes? Come on, dude. And I'm 57, I got to go a lot these days. <laughs> What are you doing? You're, you're not engaged. You're thinking about something else you could be doing to pass this time. You're not engaged. That's not a judgment call. I'm just telling you, you're never going to find what you're looking for. 
James Simpson, let me close with this, one of my favorite illustrations. He's the discoverer of chloroform. At the age of 14, very driven, he was accepted into medical school. At the age of 18, he received his MRCS, his uh, membership into the Royal College of Surgeons. In his 20s, he was the head of the Department of Gynecology. His passion, his entire life, his pursuit was to relieve pain in the bodies of human beings as he operated on them so they wouldn't be screaming out in pain. So delightful was his discovery of chloroform that when he first gave it to a woman, an anesthetic, at the point of delivery, she was so grateful she named her baby Anesthesia. <laughs> but near the end of Simpson's life, who was well-respected, he said that his real research in his entire life was to find a cure for his inner emptiness. And he later wrote that his greatest discovery, and he kept it in the lapel of his jacket, he said, it was not chloroform, but my greatest discovery, and I quote, is my relationship with Jesus Christ who helped me reconnect with the heart of my Father. And then he wrote near the end, when benevolence shall have run its course, when there shall be no sick to heal, no disease to cure, when all I have engaged about comes to a dead stop, what is to fill this heart and thought and powers of mine? And his answer, Jesus and Jesus alone. Guys, there is a great beyond. But if you're going to connect with God in the great beyond, you've got to connect with Him in the great here and now. That's the purpose of your life. That's right. That is the purpose of your life. That your greatest satisfaction is feeling, experiencing God. I'm begging you, if you've never done that, would you come to the cross? Come to the cross. Only this time when you come, come with a different attitude. Come and receive this gift. Don't you, th don't you think that someone who gives you the gift of eternal life, you're going to live forever in the great beyond, which we know more about because of Revelation, but that's another sermon, another day. Don't you think that the one who gives you that kind of gift where you don't have to worry about death, where it's no, it's no longer overarching, it's not hanging over you because you know he who dies yet shall he live because of Christ? Don't you think that that kind of Christ is worth pursuing? Receive the gift of salvation, pursue the giver, and then, guys, all I'm asking, this is not a five-step plan, I'm simply asking, lean into spiritual things. When you're here, worship, man, and listen to the Word, and ask God to teach you, to open your mind. Most of us approach church like this, oh, man, it better be good today because I am bored. Pastor Jeff better light it up, and I bet the worship better be good too, or I'm out of here. <laughs> Let me tell you a little secret. Your connecting with God has very little to do with my message or the music. It has everything to do if you've connected with Him Monday to Saturday before you get here. And if you've connected with Him, when you come here, I can play one note and you... Praise Jesus. One note, hands go straight up. You understand? Guys, I know what you're looking for. It took me 45 years to find it. And you're going to say, well, Pastor Jeff, you're a preacher. You've been in the Bible all your life, and it took you 45 years to find it. What chance do I have? What hope do I have? Here's the answer. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what God has to do in you. I know what he had to do to me, and I hope you don't have to experience three years of depression or anxiety disorder. I don't know what it is, but you know what I'm going to do, don't you? Whatever it is, I'm going to pray that for you. Because I'm having the time of my life. Not afraid of death. It's going to happen. I don't need your approval. It's nice when you say nice things, but don't need it anymore. 
as long as I'm living for the audience of one, as long as I feel that he approves, and that's a guarantee because it's not based on my performance, but upon what Jesus did for me on the cross. Oh, man, it's good life. I'm going to pray you get it. Father, pray for every man in this room. I know what they're searching for, the same thing we're all searching for. Would you open their eyes? Would you break down the strongholds that you would unveil, that you would reveal, and suddenly their eyes would be open to what they've been looking for all of their lives is the experience, not just the knowledge, the knowledge and the experience of the living God who if we seek Him with all of our hearts, we are told we are going to find Him. May we keep seeking and keep knocking and keep searching till our greatest satisfaction is in You. In Christ's name, amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.